0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is our slash tales from Tech Support. Well, we had the cat trap all set. We had his little lammy possum mouse thing here. A uh, little extra catnip in the box. He came over, he played, he saw, and he left. Guess I gotta come up with another plan, but anyway, we tried. He's still in the room, so he may come back. We'll see. Maybe once the buzz starts wearing off, we'll uh, get him back on screen. All right, let's read some stories. New colleague overestimates my importance. Obligatory, not current IT worker. Well, today I was blessed with meeting a new colleague, and I can already tell that he'll be a joy to work with. If there were greetings before the chat, they were short enough for them not to register. Him. They said you worked for IT. I later checked. They didn't. Why isn't my computer working? Me. Um, I'm not really sure, but I'll have a look. Five seconds later, the monitor was off. Him, embarrassed but not backing down. But why do they design computers like that? So they don't switch on together? Me, well they kind of do. Leave the monitor on and it goes into power saver mode and automatically switches back on when you switch the computer on. Him, but why design them that way? Me, by now desperate not to be part of this insane conversation. Well it seems to work for most people, and even if it didn't, I think you overestimate my ability or the ability of even the entire NHS, English National Health Service, probably owns over a million computers in total, to change it. The computer industry is just too big. Anyway, must get on. God, he's so going to brighten my days. (laughs) Yep. First of all, even if you were tech support, him asking over and over why do they design computers that way is totally useless. Okay, this is the way it works. Either deal with it, or... Go shell out a ton of money and see if you can redesign a better mousetrap. That's it. We had an old guy on one of our job sites once who uh, sort of had similar feelings about a circular saw with the automatically returning blade guard, you know, that would spring down. Early saws um, were mostly metal casings. Before plastic bodies and things came along, the whole body was metal, and the springs were a little bit different. They tended to clog up and get a little nasty. But when we were cutting sheathing, which is plywood for the roof or the side walls of the house, a lot of us would use a certain type of circular saw, a worm drive saw, where the blade is on the left side of the saw. It's easier to see when you're cutting. Uh, the saw was really heavy, uh didn't bog down much, and it was just nice for cutting sheathing. We also had a bad habit of um shimming the blade guard open so that the blade was always exposed. Well, uh, you know, it sort of sped things up a little bit when you were cutting sheathing. Probably not enough to matter, but we thought it did. But it was standard practice. And, uh, this old guy kept questioning why they made a, you know, self-returning blade guard. You know, it was, it was stupid. And, well, he took his completely apart and disabled that guard completely. Like, it wasn't even just for a couple cuts. Like, this guy totally took his off. Well, I refuse to use it. I want the option to have that guard there. Now I don't use anything without a guard. But So anyway, one day he was uh, cutting something. I don't know. It was, might have been rafters or more sheathing. And uh, when he picked the saw up and brought it down, he brought that blade down right against his leg. Once he recovered, it took about three months, he came back to work, had his saw, and it had a guard. Sometimes they got to learn the hard way. So why won't it work for me and it works for somebody else? At this company, when there's an outage, there isn't the best method of communicating outages when they happen. We do our best on the front line and support. You get a few phone calls, we reply in Teams or put a status up, and generally, once one person or two in a team are experiencing it, they'll spread the word in person or over their Teams chat. We can put an outage up on our intranet, but of course, not everyone will notice it. You'll get a rare person who brings their laptop to the service desk area and thinks that if they come to it, it'll start working. They'll wonder why some people can be online and they can't. Explain that unfortunately it's not 100% outage, but it was still being investigated as a priority. But why can my colleague get online? I said, well, it's luck of the draw. They might be hotspotting from their phone. It's not across the board, but it is affecting a large part of the business right now. Did you notify the company in an email? I said, what would that achieve when some people can't log in at all? I can give you the guest Wi-Fi, but that won't give you everything you need anyway. It's the best I can do. I give them the password and pretty much leave it there. Customer stands there glaring, thinking I'll relent. Spoiler alert. Nah, I won't. They'd also interrupted me talking to a teammate, so I continued on the conversation while the customer still lingered. Out of aggravation at their confrontational stance and wanting to assert, That the conversation was over i said you're welcome that's when perhaps unsurprisingly for their attitude they decided to complain about me go full karen where i was still at my desk and in the earshot to a manager not my manager or whoever they could get attention from at the time not minding that i could hear what they were describing And the fact that it was an outage it affected some people but there was no fix for them and their foot-stomping demanding ways. I love working with spoiled children. Again, I could see being a little weirded out and miffed in the beginning but once somebody starts explaining it to you, okay, oh, all right, guess I got to accept it. So you go on and do something else and if there's nothing else to do you just ride out the clock until it's fixed or you go home. Uh, You know, You standing there holding your breath like a two-year-old isn't going to help your case any. And then going and complaining about the person who's going to ultimately help you with something at some point, in earshot of that person, yeah, that's just setting yourself up for failure there. Going in circles. I've been the only access requester on my decidedly non-technical team in a large national corporation up until recently. But having only done six new hires in those months, I'm still learning all the things that can go wrong. The players are Rhubarb, which is me, Boss, one of the supers on my team, BB, which is Big Boss, manager of the team, and Joan, the team lead and training the new hires. Also, I'm training her to request access. NP, newish program, one of the many my team uses day to day. Request QB, this is a quick base that supervisors use to request access for whatever their new hire needs. It does absolutely nothing on its own. The access requesters, i.e. me, work out of it to put the requests into various areas. Joan reaches out to me a couple weeks into training to let me know the new hires still don't have access to the training environment of NP, even though they have access to production. I check the ticket I put in. It shows the training environment requests as in progress, but also the production. So, not updated. Hmm. So, I shoot an email to the team that manages the program and get a singularly unhelpful response to the effect of... We sent the request to the third-party company that maintains the program last week when we received it, so it should be working now. Um, okay. Should I have done something different with the request? My mentor for access requests is naturally on vacation, so I reach out to Boss, who is leading the training. Maybe she has something helpful. Did this happen with the last group and magically I didn't know or something? Boss. Oh yes, I have something. This should help. It's from BB from last time. We did have some issues and they were fixed. Great. Not sure why I didn't hear about this last time, but okay. Sounds promising. The email from BB is dutifully forwarded to me. It states, Hmm, I'm not entirely sure how to handle issues with access to MP. Try putting in a request to QB. If that doesn't work, ask Rhubarb. (laughs) Totally unhelpful. (laughs) There seems to be a total lack of communication and... uh, Very poor follow-up with requests and training and things like that. I don't know whose fault it is, but you can tell there's definitely gaps there somewhere. Story passed down from my dad. I was chatting to my dad, retired accountant, about his expenses with IT departments in the past. And he shared this story about how one of the help desk workers at his former company got fired. Caller, my computer won't turn on. Help desk, okay, have you checked that it's plugged in properly? Caller, yes, of course I have. Do you think I'm an idiot? <laughs> Help Desk, look, I just got to run through my checklist to make absolutely sure. Can you just do a quick double check? Caller, okay, yep, it's plugged in. I'm pulling on the cable and it's tight. Help Desk, and it's still not working? Caller, no. Help Desk, okay, I want you to quickly check to see if your box is powered on too. Caller, I can't see it, it's too dark. <laughs> Help desk. Turn on the lights? Caller. I can't. There's a blackout. I can't see anything. Help desk. Okay, sir. I know what you can do. Caller. What? Help desk. I want you to walk to the closest window you can find and have a look outside. Caller. Okay, I'm there. Help desk. Now I want you to throw yourself through it. Oh, man. If only we could tell everybody that. Take a long walk off a short pier. Jump out the first open window you find. Go play in traffic. Whatever. Did my ticket post? We have an email address that is set to automatically post tickets to the board when users send an email to it. I'm very low level, still learning, so most of what I do is answer phones and post tickets to the board. I got this phone call on Friday. Customer, I sent an email, but I haven't received the callback. Can you check to see if the ticket posted? Me, sure, one moment, let me take a look for you. I check the open tickets posted for her company and see nothing with her name on it. I verify that she had sent it to the correct email address, which she had. Me. I don't see your ticket on the board. I'm sorry about that, but I can get a ticket posted to the board right now and a tech will call you back as soon as possible to assist you. Could you tell me the issue that you're having? Customer. My emails aren't sending. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. Uh. I pause, fight the urge to laugh, or to ask her to say it again, and think about the conversation we just had. I gather the rest of the information and get the ticket posted. <laughs> oh my god. That is pure stupidity. You're sending an email to let somebody know that your email isn't worth sending. Dumb. And I wouldn't have held back laughter at all. I would have, I would have chuckled like a little schoolboy, just like I just did. That's why I don't work IT because my filter's getting lower and lower and lower. Man vs. DP Cable I was working as a deployment technician at an MSP some years back and we have a high turnover for contractors, which is normal. One guy who was in theater and just doing a little part-time work joined and was shadowing all techs including myself. After some time shadowing us, the team lead gives him the stamp of approval and says he can go out on a deployment alone. You would think he'd grasp the concept of DP cables and how they clip in and out. Dude rings me up and says he's trying to decommission a desktop and doesn't know why the display cable isn't detaching from the port. I ask what kind of cable. No idea. I ask if it's got a blue end or a white end in case it's VGA or DVI. Neither. Cool. Is it HDMI or DP? He gets kind of restless and I hear him fumbling around and he goes, Oops. He keeps quiet when I ask what happened, then says he's coming back with the desktop. We're all up to our necks and don't bother following up and leave it at that. 4 p.m. hits and it's time to take stock of DCOM. And what have we here, lads? A desktop with a slew of mini wires jutting out perfectly from the DP port. (laughs) Looks like Shakespeare decided that when in doubt, rip it out. He didn't bother even telling me what he did. Just sat there in the stockroom rehearsing lines. (laughs) Yup, because he had free time. I asked him and he just kind of shrugged. He somehow lasted a year and a half because, well, MSPs, I guess. It totally amazes me how many people, I don't know, they're just so ham-fisted that they can't, they don't have, they have no finesse. That's the only thing I can think of, the only term I can think of at the moment. Not everything needs a BFH, bigger effing hammer. You don't need to snatch and pull and, you know, it just, it makes no sense. Why would you yank on cables like that? You know, there's always a way to connect or disconnect and not everything requires, you know, brute force. I mean, I'm a big guy and I can move some stuff. I can, I can push it, pull it, whatever, and make it do what I want it to do. It might be mangled when it's done, but I can make it happen. And, but that's just not the way to do it, especially if you're trying to save equipment. There's no reason to rip it apart. You know, we used to do demolition in construction, selective demolition. We'd go into a, an existing building and gut the shell out and turn it into a new restaurant, like an old, uh, an old Roy Rogers restaurant, which, Gosh, that's dating myself. Anyway, and we turned it into a Boston market. And if you're not on the East Coast in the U.S., you may not even know what that is. But anyway, but, you know, not everything required a sledgehammer and a pry bar. Some stuff, you know, you just walk around with your screw gun or drill and you can start popping screws and things come loose. And, you know, it's just a nice, smooth operation. Nope. Some guys are going to go in there and just start beating and banging on stuff until it comes apart. A, it takes them twice as long to do the job. And B, it takes twice as long to clean up the mess. So, yeah, just amazing. Some people aren't cut out for any of that stuff. The Drowned Server. A few employers, and about nine years ago, I worked as a customer support engineer for a small ish software development company in Oslo that creates a specialized and quite niche software package that is the industry standard in its field. Among our clients, you would find most international newspapers, all of the international news agencies, publishing houses, and so on and so forth. and users didn't have our contact details as they were served by local resellers who served as both salespeople and integrators. As a result, we were essentially tier 2 and 3 support. I had direct access to all of our deployment team and worked closely with them on the bug fix and testing, but I digress. I'd been working a particularly challenging ticket for a few weeks. The customer would be having intermittent issues accessing our software. We turned on increasing levels of logging, but found nothing that even came close to indicating what the issue was. I've been talking to the lead developer for this product on a daily basis, and we just couldn't get to grips with it. He created a new build of the core software, which would log everything. Anything that happens on the server is logged, no matter how big or small. This has two side effects. Server utilization is about doubled, and the log files grow big, very, very quickly. He'd run it on his test server and got gigabytes worth of log files, raw text, within hours. The client, located in New York, declared a service window between 11am and 8pm on a Friday, local time, meaning 1800 my time, well after my normal working hours. But hey, I got double OT and overtime food, so I was relatively happy. At any rate, we installed a new build and wait for the log files to start building. The log files generally looked fine, until I finally found a line stating, Error. Unable to access server boonies725. I'm in hour three of a conference call with the customer. They are stressed out and I'm worn out. And well, we're all tired. I point this out to them as follows. Me, what's that server? I haven't seen that referred to before. Customer, oh, that one? It doesn't exist anymore. Sandy killed it. Me, Sandy, as in Hurricane Sandy? Customer, yup, that entire data center died when it flooded. If memory serves, that particular server was at the bottom of the rack and actually drowned. Me. Well, the system seems to be trying to access it. Let's have another look at the configuration. Why don't we? Sure enough, five to 10 minutes later, we find that Booney 725 was still set up as a backup slash overflow server when their main server was overloaded. Once we removed that, their problems were resolved. As for the log files, the new build was only installed for about three and a half hours. So it only took up about 100 gigabytes. They were heavy users of our software to say the least. Author's note, I should add that the configuration they were using was one which was technically usable, but neither the intended use case for the feature they were using, nor one which was officially supported or documented. The failover feature was entirely rewritten in a later major release, to prevent this from happening again. So if this person knew that that server didn't exist, and they knew they were having current issues, isn't one of the first things you check for is connection issues? Like where is this thing connecting to? Why isn't it connecting? Whatever. Or it's intermittent, like you said. Okay, why? I have problems with my laptop in the shop. And the Wi-Fi kicks out once in a while. I don't know if the you know, Wi-Fi card in the laptop is crapping out, if it's something to do with the Wi-Fi in the shop, whatever. But one of the first things I check is, you know, what's it trying to connect to? I make it forget all other Wi-Fi signals and servers and things like that. I just want to make sure there's only two points that it's ever going to try to connect to, It's still having an issue, but at least I know that part is out of the way. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.